G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You may have been following developments as they are happening around the world as historic monuments and statues are being toppled and removed. In just this past few days, statues of Queen Elizabeth II and Queen Victoria were torn down in the Canadian city of Winnipeg. In the US, the Black Lives Matter movement unleashed a wave of destruction, vandalism and demands for removal of statues connected with historic slavery and oppression. And it was the same in the UK, where statues were removed from London's financial district because of connections to the transatlantic slave trade. Well, it seems many statues are being framed as symbols of white supremacy. Here in Australia, statues and monuments are at risk of vandalism and especially on national days like Australia Day. More recently, there were calls for the taking down of a West Australian statue of explorer and surveyor Alexander Forrest, who stands accused of raping the ancestor of an Indigenous woman. In South Australia, Labor is promising to fund new statues and monuments celebrating the state's Aboriginal heritage. And there are calls for more statues of women, with radical left-wing activists calling for a halt to celebrating old white men. So what are we to make of these developments? How does a Christian form an opinion about the latest developments? Well, our special guest today is Gabriel A. Moens AM. He is Emeritus Professor of Law at the University of Queensland. He's Adjunct Professor of Law at the University of Notre Dame, Sydney and Curtin University and there's numerous things we can say about Professor Moens, but let's introduce him. Professor Moens, welcome along to 2020. Happy to be here. Gabriel, when we're talking about the desecration of public monuments and we're seeing this even just this past weekend, it's something that perhaps started last year with the formation of the Black Lives Matter movement This is something that's continuing to grow, likely to be more and more into the future. It did not start last year. In fact, it has been going on for a long, long time. It it probably started uh, with the beginning of the history of mankind. Uh, Obviously, we all know that iconoclasm has been a problem, especially in the Catholic Church and indeed in all churches going back to the Middle Ages. So the problem we are going to discuss today has been around for a long time. Uh, You may not uh, remember that, uh, Neil, but... uh, I think it happened around 1775 during the War of Independence in the United States. George Washington, uh, who later became the first president of the United States, he actually destroyed a statue of King George III and he used it to make uh, bullets or musket balls, as they called them in those days, you see. So it has been going on for a long time. However, the process has accelerated uh, uh, during our time, most unfortunately. 
And most of the time, though not necessarily always, it is Christian monuments, you know, and the uh, uh, monuments of explorers or generals that are targeted by the mob. Uh, we'll talk ancient history as well as some more modern history. And uh, one of those images that comes to mind when we think of toppling of statues yeah. uh, was at the end of the Iraq war when the statue of Saddam Hussein was uh, brought down in Iraq. Now, that was seen as something of a triumph and it was very symbolic that that statue falls. It's it's interesting that you would mention that uh, if I remember correctly, it actually happened on the 9th of April 2003. And um, I vividly remember the images that we we all saw on television. Uh, people I uh, pulling down the statue from the pedestal, you know, the block of cement, you know, that supported the statue. Now, we have a philosophical problem here that we need to discuss in this program. Uh, most of us probably would have been happy to see the statue of the tyrant destroyed, you know. Uh, in the same way, we probably would have been happy to see uh, the demise of the Berlin Wall in 1989. The Berlin Wall was a major monument, you know, to communism that separated people from each other. So most of us would have been happy to see them go. But at the same time, we would bitterly complain about the destruction of the statue of uh, General Lee, for example, in the United States, or the decapitation of uh, Christopher Columbus in Boston, as we have seen. So the philosophical question is, why is it that we may well be in favor of destroying monuments of present-day tyrants, but are opposed to the destruction of monuments that may have become part of history? My you, I'm against destruction of monuments, but this is a philosophical question that we need to think about. In fact, in whatever context you talk here, if someone is famous enough or has done something of some significance yeah. that they've deserved having a monument made to them, mm -hmm. uh, somehow or other, future generations need to be able to reflect philosophically on whether that statue was erected as a good thing or a bad thing. And I imagine here, and I think what you're getting at here when we talk about a philosophical way of thinking about this, is that uh, there are going to be good and bad in those monuments that are erected, but that all teaches us something important in the present. Yes. Is that the way of looking at it? Uh, yes, that is a way of looking at it. Uh, yeah. I said I'm against destruction of monuments, uh, any monument for that matter, historical monuments in particular. And this is because when we destroy a monument, we are making decisions on the basis of morality standards that exist today. Uh, we cannot really logically make decisions about the destruction of a monument on the basis of morality standards that exist today because the people in the past had their own standards and they may well have been enlightened standards at the time. Uh, I would expect that, uh, say, in 70 or 80 years from now, uh, many people who will be alive then will be horrified about all the, the dreadful events that are taking place in our time. My point of view is that we need to respect the history because history is our past. You know, uh, history makes it possible for us to look into the past and perhaps to predict the future, namely the failures of mankind, which inevitably going to crop up again. 
Let's talk ancient history for a moment here, because in my reading and preparation for a conversation like this today, and I'm interested in that Christian view of how you might see the toppling of statues, Mm -hmm. but in our Old Testament in the Bible, uh, we have numerous accounts of the rise of good kings and bad kings, uh, those who would create their altars and monuments to the living God. I'm talking about biblical history here. And then there are those who would uh, topple those monuments and allow the setting up of statues to foreign gods like the Baals. I mean, this is something that is actually going through uh, the history of the kings of the Old Testament uh, where you've got this ancient uh, history of uh, having monuments that declare the goodness of God and those that are against God. I mean, how do you, how do we sort of see those sorts of historic type things? Do yes, you think? well, this has been going on for a long time, and the victors always make decisions uh, with regard as to what is going to happen in the future. But uh, you are giving examples of what have, has has happened in the past. There are many present day examples of your point as well. Uh, going back to two thousand and one, I think Islamic State uh, destroyed the magnificent Buddhas of Bamiyan, and, and Buddhas, of course, uh, were built about two thousand years ago to, to, to honor God, you know. Uh, yeah. So that was a terrible destruction of uh, a cultural treasure, a religious cultural treasure. Uh, the, in, in our time, we see that churches are being destroyed, uh, especially, but not only in Indonesia. Uh, and uh, this happens mainly in the province of Aceh. Uh, where churches, Christian churches, are demolished and destroyed by Islamic gangs, you know. But what is really worrying with regard to this is that the demolition and destruction is actually state-initiated, state-sponsored, and state-enforced. These churches are destroyed because, arguably, they violate the planning standards, whatever they may be. Uh, I'm wondering whether... Islamic churches would be destroyed or mosques would be destroyed if they were not to meet the planning standards of uh, the municipality or the city. So uh, this is a worrying uh, event, you know, the fact that governments uh, condone this terrible behavior. Uh, It's not just individuals, it's individuals uh, uh, encouraged by the state to do these things. Interesting, isn't it? Because you raise such an important uh, issue as to what it is that constitutes a monument. And when you start to talk about churches and mosques, they themselves are monuments to uh, the God of the Bible or uh, Allah, the God of Islam. And uh, there is a certain sense here in which uh, perhaps there needs to be an ability to learn to live together. And perhaps we see that in the modern state of Israel where the uh, mosque that sits on the temple site in the city of Jerusalem mm-hmm. uh, somehow rather sits there on uh, on what is holy ground for two sides of those uh, monotheistic religions. And so there's a an ability, it's tense, 
Mm. But there is an ability to live together, but not necessarily destroying one another's monuments. Well, there should be an ability to live together. But what we see in our time is the rise of intolerance, you know. And uh, the rise of intolerance is somehow promoted by some intolerant governments as well. You know, if there is no tolerance, uh, yeah, I do not have much hope for humanity. And this is despite the fact that there is a United Nations uh, Convention on the promotion of uh, freedom of religion, uh, which I think was adopted in the late 1980s. Uh, yeah. So it is uh, indeed a serious problem. Gabriel, where do you see us in Australia today? Now, we can talk history and we can talk about the things that are going on around the world. I gave a number of examples in my introduction today. But where are we at as Australians, do you think, in light of some of the moves that we've seen of recent times to uh, even desecrate or remove uh, the statues, the monuments that we have to some of our historic figures? We are where we should not be in Australia. And why do I say that? I say that because monuments uh, are increasingly being destroyed or graffitied, you know. Uh, Obviously, I'm referring to one of the major monuments uh, that we have in Sydney, namely the uh, Captain Cook monument. Uh, You probably know the story as well as I do. Uh, Captain Cook monuments are being destroyed around the world, you know, also in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That is uh, sad because uh, we are destroying our history. And it is even more sad because our young children uh, don't know history anymore. They don't know where we come from and they hardly know where we are going to. You know, uh, in um, 1879, the Captain Cook Memorial was um, launched uh, or officially celebrated or unveiled in Hyde Park in Sydney. And the governor, at that time, the governor of New South Wales, I think his name was Hercule Robinson, Hercule, uh, an interesting Mm -hmm. 19th century name. He said, you know, that uh, Captain Cook was a God-fearing man and he encouraged the young people who were listening to him to follow the magnificent example of Captain Cook. Can you imagine a present-day politician to say that Mr. X was a God-fearing man? This is simply not going to happen. Uh, In 1879, it did happen because it was still popular and expected that people would celebrate God and religion in the public forum. Now, if you uh, raise God in the public forum, you would be uh, accused of uh, homophobia. Uh, You would be accused of violating anti-discrimination principles. Uh, You might be put in jail and uh, your life would become a a misery. But that was still possible in the 19th century. So so that that is uh, one very important monument that is being destroyed. But, you know, if you were to give me another five hours, Neil, I would be able to give you a complete list of monuments which are under attack in Australia. And it is not just monuments um, of uh, explorers and historical figures, but also of Aboriginal people like the... uh, Yagan, I think it is, monument in uh, WA, you know, even though he was a resistance fighter, his monuments are also uh, targeted by the mob. So it is sad to see what is happening in this space in Australia. That being said, though, uh, there is a legislative framework. 
that obviously um, penalizes uh, those who are involved in the business of destruction and desecration. The question is, is it uh, enforceable? Uh, is it sufficient uh, to deter people from doing these things? A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Looking to form some opinions about what's going on with the desecration of important historic monuments today. You might have your own thoughts. I want to invite you to join in our conversation on 1-800-316-316. You can also respond to a Facebook question today. How do you think authorities should deal with those who desecrate historic monuments? Our very special guest is Gabriel Moens, Emeritus Professor of Law at the University of Queensland and wears many, many hats and has had a significant history. Uh, Gabriel, before we take any more calls, let me ask you about monuments and a nation's history, monuments and a nation's culture, because this is something special, I think, where monuments actually make a statement about a people, about a culture. So if you were trying to rewrite things of the past and change things for the future, you perhaps have to get rid of those things that are an obstacle to you, and that might be those monuments. No, I definitely would not get rid of those monuments uh, yeah, because, as I said before, uh, monuments are a, uh, an opportunity for us to look into the past, you see, to appreciate our history. Uh, yeah, the problem is today that uh, very few people know anything at all about history, and if we take away the monuments, we will know even less, you see. Uh, I do agree, perhaps, uh, that nowadays we have to widen uh, um, the circle of people who may be honored by the building of a monument. And that includes women, that includes aboriginals, that includes uh, ethnic people or migrants who have come to this country. Yes, it is uh, an opportunity for all of us to really celebrate what is good and important in this particular country. But no way should those monuments be destroyed or taken away. Don't worry, I'm in agreement with you because if the monuments have a Christian ethos about them, uh, then as a Christian in the present day, uh, we perhaps need to protect those uh, because if they are removed, if they are toppled, if they are changed, uh, then we do something uh, to our history which ought not to happen. Yes, uh, there are many people in our secular society, of course, uh, who hate religion, you know. Uh, They even claim that it is superstition. Um, They don't understand that faith is important in society in that it gives comfort to many people. uh, And uh, clearly we should not remove any of the Christian monuments, and there are many of them which we have in Australia, even though there are attempts well, not just attempts, but realities in other countries where Christian monuments are destroyed uh, in a brutal way. And as we were saying in the first part of our conversation, yes. uh, we can classify monuments to include 
our Christian churches. Yes. And in yes. every country, town and city all around Australia, there are some fabulous monuments to God. And yes. Uh, yes. I imagine if we're talking about what the, what the future may hold, if yes. everything gets out of control, yes. is the idea that some of those monuments may well become targets yes. uh, for activists. Yes. Taking calls on 1-800-316-316, let's hear from Helen in Tasmania. Hello, Helen. Welcome along. Yes, hi, hi, Neil. You've actually covered every aspect and thought exactly, 100% to the way that I think, you know, because there's a lot of um, negatives and positives, conflict. I know when I went to study here in Tasmania, you know, as far as our Aboriginals are concerned, that being a very strong Christian and of European background, I'm very much against anything that stands, you know, any, any destruction of any monuments anything because there's a real reason as to the background and the trouble with a lot of the young ones that are studying today they don't know enough they haven't got enough knowledge about history yes it is Gabriel, your yes. thoughts for Helen? Well, well uh, that is absolutely correct, you know. I, uh, I'm teaching in the university, and I'm still teaching in the university, even though I'm supposedly retired. But, of course, retirement is a dirty word, as we all know. <laughs> you have to keep active. The point is, you know, when I teach my students, uh, I... I learned that they don't know history. They don't know who the first Prime Minister was of Australia. They hardly know anything about the recent uh, history of Australia. Uh, They hardly know there was a Second World War and there was evil around the world at most uh, of of the time. Uh, They don't know any history. You know, and that is uh, something that I deplore very, very much. You know, that is why in the past when I was teaching law, I always put it in a historical context. You know, to try to encourage students to appreciate history because history, as I said before, gives you an opportunity to look into our past, to look into the achievements and also the failures of uh, our ancestors, and we learn from them. Helen, while we've got you on the line here, you're in Tasmania and Tasmania is a special case too because of uh, what is the accusation is that white Australians had almost uh, completely decimated the Aboriginal people in Tasmania. And so I'm not sure what monuments you've got in Tasmania, but uh, I wonder whether you've got any sort of thought about the history in your own state. No, not that I know of. I know that Truganini's um, ashes, I think they were on Bruni Island. They were removed. They were supposed to have been put actually into one of the museum here. There's, there's, there's a lot that's not known, Neil and Gabriel. There's, there's so much that's hidden. Yes. But my concern, I had a European father. He would be horrified if he was alive to see this history being swept under the mat. That is How are you pres- supposed to educate the young generations? Yeah. That is precisely yes. Yep, that Helen. is precisely why we need to protect history studies in the university. Uh, students should know about uh, the past. They should know about uh, the killing sprees that took place, you know, probably in the 19th century. And as a consequence, there are very few Aboriginals left in Tasmania, perhaps none. Uh, uh, we should know all these things so we can learn from the mistakes that mankind have made. Helen, thank you so much for your call. Our talk. 
talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 and you can respond to that Facebook question today. How do you think authorities should deal with those who desecrate historic monuments? Let's take another call. Shelby is in Brisbane. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along. Hello, Neil. How you going, mate? You bring so much to uh, um, the airways. Um, and Gabriel I, and the lady before, I agree totally in what Neil is saying, you are saying, and the lady formerly was saying, incredible. Um, I've got so much to say, I won't get through it all. But the thing is, what I would like to say is I met an Indigenous lady once um, in Northern Territory. I was up there for a number of years. And um, um, she said, oh, we're in the Bible. This is at church one day. And she said, oh, we're in the Bible. And I said, oh, scratch my head. And I said, hang a minute. Yes. Um, what it was is she was saying the scattered nations. <laughs> but... I'll come back to that in a second. But the thing is, what I'm uh, uh, really on about is I've done heritage listing um, uh, and it's become uh, a first in the world. Um, I heritage uh, Lakeside, the motor racing track, because I have a big interest in motor racing. But what I'm saying with that is that we need to make sure with our culture, we don't destroy our culture. And what you were saying, Gabriel, is teach our, our children of today, they know nothing of where we came from. And the, I'll leave you on the last one. Uh, Reverend Richard Johnson, uh, Neil, you brought him to the, you know, to, to my attention in that sense in one yeah. of your previous shows. Mm-hmm. But he created in three days, I believe, under a gum tree, the first church service in Australia. And, you know, so w- we have to look at our Greek, Italian, Irish, British, German, um, Indigenous, um, and then all of the 71 different cultures that are here in Australia today. But we have to be careful that we don't destroy anything to do with our history. Yep. Fabulous stuff, Shelby. Thank you for yes. a good contribution there. A couple of things to pick up from what Shelby is saying. And uh, when we talk about, say, you know, the Richard Johnson, uh, there's a memorial there in the centre of Sydney and, uh, you know, commemorating that very first church service on Australian soil. Very important monument. Uh, Let's hope it continues to stand forever. Um, The other thing is, and just reflecting on what Shelby is saying and what our previous caller Helen was saying, in some ways museums are becoming the sort of way we might think of uh, the heritage and the culture too. And I suppose we wouldn't want to see monuments put into museums. We want them to be standing on street corners, don't we? Yes, unfortunately, many of the statues that are being destroyed uh, or are removed, you know, are put in a museum. This is actually what is happening in the UK at the moment. Uh, I recall that uh, just a few weeks ago, a statute uh, in Bristol of uh, a slave owner or a person who was involved in the slave industry in the 19th century was toppled. Uh, It was removed by the municipality or the city officials and placed in a museum where it will probably never be seen by anybody and therefore that part of the history will uh, disappear almost forever. Um, So my point is that uh, putting uh, these uh, statues in a museum is but a very poor substitute for having them actually displayed in the open in the public forum. Gabriel, as we continue our conversation here, just to pick up on something that came just before the news, the idea of heritage listings. Uh, One of our callers said heritage listing is important. Is that part of a way forward, do you think? Well, that has been 
the way in which monuments were protected in the past. There is a heritage list uh, which is maintained by the government. Uh, actually, when we talk about the legislative framework to protect the statues and monuments, I have to mention that there are four layers. There is the World Heritage Listing, uh, there is also a Commonwealth listing, uh, there is a state protection um, mechanism, and there is a local protection mechanism. Actually, there are two heritage lists. There is the National Heritage List and there is the Commonwealth Heritage List. The Commonwealth Heritage List uh, specifically deals with the protection of Aboriginal monuments. So this uh, National uh, Heritage List has been going for about 25 years and of course there is a National Heritage Council that is responsible for maintaining the list. Actually, our listeners will not know this. There is a uh, a private website called Monument Australia and it lists all the monuments in existence in Australia. Do you know there are more than 35,000 monuments and, and there are 520 alone in the CBD in Melbourne. So there are 35,000 plus monuments in Australia and they are listed on Monument Australia. Well, and uh, so to simply Google Monuments Australia, you yes. might get an idea where those monuments are. Oh, yes. Let me ask you, just before we take another call, yeah. if we don't protect the monuments that we have here in Australia... Mm -hmm the future could look a little different because one side of a political argument or there might be even various different sides of a political argument all vying for some attention may change the future direction of the way we think about our culture in Australia. What's a scenario here that you could see if, if we don't protect these monuments what does the future look like? Well, if we don't protect the monuments, we are destroying the history of Australia and therefore a very valuable resource that is available to us would be lost almost irretrievably. So we have no option, I think, but to protect the monuments and statutes. And of course, there are ways in which this could be done in, in a way that does not upset any of the aspirations of most Australians today. Earlier in our conversation, you said many of the monuments mm. that are under attack yes. are actually Christian monuments or, yes. or where the person who's being recognised has a significant Christian dimension. Yes. Do you think that is a part of where the attack comes? People who are trying to align Christianity with the white supremacist colonial invasion type of idea? Any thoughts there? Well, I... Uh Obviously, it is an attack on freedom of religion, as we all know, and uh, say the anti-discrimination principle uh, prevails these days over freedom of religion. That is why some people would argue that we desperately need a freedom of religion bill uh, to provide a, a voice to those who still believe in religion in our society. Uh, yes, uh, Neil, I agree with you that uh, many Christian monuments are being attacked. Uh, you, you probably know what is happening in France, you know. In France, many Christian churches have been demolished, destroyed, altars, uh, graffitied, uh, or removed, you know, crosses uh, or crucifixes, uh, desecrated, that you know, uh, 
the, the vestments of the priests, you know, have been stolen. It's absolutely horrible what is happening in France. And of course, it has now happened in Canada as well. And perhaps I should like to say that as well. In China, you know, uh, there is institutional uh, discrimination against uh, the Christian churches, including, of course, the Catholic and the Protestant churches. And uh, all monuments have been removed from churches and they have been replaced by uh, photos and pictures and statues of Mao Zedong and Xi Jinping, the present president of uh, China. They are God now. You know, they are more important than Jesus. That is what they want people to believe. Now, this is a horrible for the very simple reason that it destroys freedom of religion, which we have to maintain in this country, because if we lose freedom of religion, we lose our history, we lose our faith, we lose our future as well. You raise something very important there, and while we talk about monuments, yes. which are often to famous people, uh, you align there with the symbols of a faith, and so crosses being removed, yeah. or as we're talking, churches being burned down. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are symbols as well, which actually do represent uh, the freedom in the heritage of the past. Yes. Taking calls on 1-800-316-316, let's take a call from Jenny in southern New South Wales. Hello, Jenny. Welcome. How are you today? Very well, Jenny. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm interested that they um, really target old white men and they've forgotten the things that old white men um, contributed to our way of life. And often they went all out and they were extremely brave. They put their lives on the line. People like the Wright brothers who, um, you know, invented, well, they did the start of, of flying. Um, Michael Faraday with electricity. All these different people. Do they want to go back to washing um, clothes in the creek and just walking? You know, there were men who... who um, worked out how to work out washing machines and cars and aeroplanes and they've just put all those things aside we've got inventors and explorers jenny let's get a thought here from uh, gabriel uh, people who achieve things Uh, in australia we think of a tall poppy syndrome just uh, you know criticizing and uh, toppling those who've done great things and achieved amazing things Uh, the fact that they might be white men is there an issue here uh, well, old white men, I'm probably one of them. <laughs> yes. our, our listener was yep. uh, talking yep. about me, as a matter of fact, and, yep. and some other uh, like-minded people who are my age. Uh, yeah. um, I think we have to celebrate the achievements of uh, the people who came before us, our ancestors, especially and including, of course, our uh, returned soldiers. Um, I was uh, horrified to read it the other day that uh, the flame... Uh, I think it happened here in Brisbane, had been extinguished by a protester. Now, that is another way of desecrating um, a national monument, you know, I, uh, which may have been erected to honor those people who uh, sacrificed their life, essentially, to ensure that you and I and our listeners would be able to live in a free country. So that is horrible, uh, I think. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. In today's society, old white men uh, really have the bad end of the stick. And, of course, one could give many examples of that, you know. 
Also in a COVID context. <laughs> okay. Well, you might have your own thoughts on that. 1-800-316-316. Thank you so much to Jenny for your call. Let's take another call in just a few moments just to reflect on a thought or two that have come from listeners on our Facebook question today. The question that I've asked there is, how do you think authorities should deal with those who desecrate historic monuments? Uh, Matt says, I think law enforcement should treat vandalism of a monument the same way as stealing a monument. Julie says, I wouldn't be surprised if the Statue of Liberty comes down in the way things are going. That's obviously uh, New York, a American illustration. Catherine says, treat them as the criminals they are. Luke says, punishment is as in community work helping the less fortunate a few thoughts there anything outstanding for you in that gabriel well if the liberty statue in uh, in new york comes down that will be the end of liberty you know because <laughs> okay. that is what america stood for and hopefully still stands for uh, that would be just uh, absolutely horrific uh, perhaps in american context i should like to mention to our listeners that uh, Former President Trump uh, actually um, signed an executive order uh, providing for increased penalties for those who destroy monuments and and those who graffiti monuments. I, uh, but uh, I, I don't uh, recall that it has been uh, changed uh, by 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 the present president. So that is definitely something that is on the books in in the United States. And if we were thinking of what monument in Australia would be the one that everyone would say would be our national monument, uh, I'm having difficulty thinking of a statue to any individual. Um, we have some monuments uh, like uh, the Opera House or the Sydney Harbour Bridge. <laughs> Those, they're even though they're um, you know they're architectural structures, they've become something of an image of Australia. They're not a religious image, and they're not necessarily connected to individuals. Oh, there are people who designed them. Mm-hmm. But in in your mind, are there any particular monuments that we say these yes. are representative of who we are as Australians? Uh, yeah, my definition of a monument uh, is a very wide and very liberal, so it is clearly not going to be limited to merely a statue of a man or a woman uh, that is placed somewhere in the public uh, place. You know, it is a very wide definition. So I would say that uh, the Opera House is a monument, a national monument, iconic as well, and therefore it should be protected. But perhaps one of our most important monuments that really explains where we come from, you know, is the War Museum in in Canberra. That's a very important uh, uh, monument, monumental monument, you know, Uh, and also the High Court of Australia because the High Court of Australia presumably promotes and enforces the rule of law without the rule of law, according to which we are all equal before the law and we are entitled to the protection of the law without the rule of law. You know, there can't be any liberty and therefore there would not be any uh, reason for us to even sit here discussing these issues. Well, those are absolutely significant monuments and uh, we perhaps could and we won't have time to uh, talk about the Christian dimensions around both of those, yes. uh, not only the War Museum, uh, but of course the High Court and the the, mm. the Christian foundations that have brought those things uh, with the rule of law in Australia. Very, yes. very powerful. Yes. Let's take another call or two. Steve is on the line from Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Steve. Welcome. 
Well, thanks for that. Good to talk to you. Hey, listen, I just want to make a quick point that uh, these, you know, these people that are pulling down statues and, and defacing monuments, I, I've, I'm of the opinion that they... Sh- yeah, well, first thing is, when you see it happening, you don't see any coppers anywhere, which is a shame, but I reckon they should be charged with criminal damage and a conviction recorded. Their actions should affect their future in the same way that they are trying to change the past. <laughs> Steve, good thoughts there. Uh, Tougher uh, laws, tougher punishments for people who do this? Well, uh, yes, we might follow the example of the former President of the United States uh, and have tougher penalties. And uh, the point of the speaker is well taken, you know. Sometimes the police uh, condone this kind of behaviour. I recall that when Columbus's statue was destroyed, I think it was in Boston, the police actually uh, organised an honour guard, so to say to enable the protesters to take the statue to the harbour you know where they uh, put it like uh, the the tea uh, during the war of independence you know Uh, it's uh, horrific that uh, sometimes the police uh, condones this kind of activity and is therefore a collaborator rather than uh, an enforcer of the law as it should be and enforced. Okay, Steve, thank you so much for your call. Let's see if we can take another quick one or two. David is in Perth, WA. Hi, David, welcome. Yes, good morning to you both. Very lively conversation. Um, I'd like to add a few points there if I could, please, now. Yep. Um, one of the points I have is regarding the national curriculum, which we've been talking about in another program, um, that we should be campaigning to have history as part of the national curriculum. And like in America, if you don't pass a subject, uh, you don't go and do sport. So if you don't pass a history, that means you will fail. So that would be a huge um, contributor to uh, turning back the tide which we're mm. facing right now. And the other points... Uh, uh, David, let me just let me just limit it to the one because I'll take another call or two. But let's uh, bring this uh, for Gabriel's comment: uh, the national curriculum, uh, the idea that Australia's Christian heritage is going to be written out of the curriculum. Yes, uh, that has all sorts of ramifications for yes. history. And David's making a fabulous point that people need to pass history, not it's, just uh, other maybe less important subjects. It's definitely a fabulous point, you know. But uh, there is a lot to say about this issue, and that is possibly a discussion for another time. But yes, uh, uh, according to uh, uh, the bureaucrats who have drafted this new curriculum, uh, Christianity is basically written out of the document. Uh, uh, from memory, it is only mentioned about uh, half a dozen times, whereas uh, uh, other religions, including the Islamic religion, are mentioned more than 100 times. Uh, uh, well, what is emphasized in the curriculum, as we all know, is the Aboriginal heritage of Australia, whilst the Aboriginal heritage of Australia obviously must be taught in uh, high schools. It is important to understand that Australia is built on Christian foundations, you know, uh, yeah, which brought the rule of law into this country. And if we destroy the foundations, our society will collapse quite uh, literally. Let me thank you, David. And there's other callers. We'll have to draw a line under those calls because time is short. And I do want to ask uh, our special guest today about solutions. Uh, Is there such a thing as solutions to the challenges that we face 
with our heritage and for the future. And if we're talking about solutions, uh, Gabriel, you know, we've got desecration of monuments. We haven't seen the last of it. And as you say, there are tens of thousands of monuments uh, that could be under threat here in Australia. So is there some sort of a solution that we can all appreciate as something that's practical that could be done uh, in the way that we might protect our, our future, protect our heritage? There are a few things that presumably could be done. First, you know, our, our politicians need to have courage, courage to repel these attacks or the attempts to destroy our history, the monuments and the statues. They have to have courage. Uh, let me exactly explain what I mean by the word courage, you know. Uh, At one time, I worked at the University of Notre Dame in the United States or the University of Notre Dame, as the Americans would say. And I don't know whether you have been there, but on the campus is a majestic uh, administration hall with uh, a fabulous dome, you know, uh, with uh, a cross on it and an angel. And in the main administration hall are beautiful murals of uh, uh, Christopher Columbus uh, uh, and the Christianity uh, that he brought to the American islands. So there are many Christian uh, events that are depicted on the murals. Now, what did the university administration do? Uh, They succumbed to the criticism of those who are in favor of the cancel culture movement, and it was decided to actually cover them up with tapestries so that nobody could see them anymore. Now, this I find absolutely shocking because it proves to me that these bureaucrats, you know, leading the university simply do not have the courage uh, to uh, enable all of us to appreciate the beauty of these paintings that have been there since uh, uh, 1882. And by the way, uh, they were painted by a Vatican-based painter by the name of Luigi Gregori. But unfortunately, we can't see them anymore. I'm fortunate enough because I saw them some 20 years ago. And you may have to rely on photographs, yes. which is not the same no. as being there and yeah. seeing incredible yeah. works yeah. of art. Yeah. So, courage. There is another solution uh, that I would like to mention quickly. It is dialogical, and this is a very difficult word now, memorialization. It is called dialogical memorialization. And I quote from uh, an article that has been written by a man called Bruce Scales. Dialogical memorialization is where one view of the past takes issue with another and history is seen not as some final statement, but a contingent and contested narrative. What it means is that history is not to be seen as a fixed description of a particular event or situation, but it is a continuing and evolving narrative. So what did I do, for example, in the Explorers Monument in Perth, in WA? They simply added a plaque uh, to the Explorers Monument, which glorified uh, the uh, discovery of Western Australia and so on. They added a plaque. One could say it is a counter-memorial, which uh, explained uh, the situation that the Aboriginal people found themselves in uh, when people colonized uh, WA. So in other words, uh, there is some information on how the people who lived 
NWA at that time felt about the invasion, in inverted commas, I would say. So history is not a fixed event, but it is a continuing story, an evolving event, you know. Uh, That is uh, what is uh, dialogical memorialization. History is a contested narrative. So in summary, one could say we, we obviously have to keep our monuments, but, you know, we could add a few monuments uh, to it surrounding the monument or adjacent to it or nearby, uh, which celebrates perhaps the opposite uh, point of view, if it is worth celebrating and important from a historical perspective. That would lead, I think, to a... Uh, reconciliation rather than division and it is an easy way in which we would be able to bring people together well what an amazing solution that is it's practical yes and when we talk about the fact that there are 35,000 monuments in Australia it also creates an opportunity for every community that has one of those monuments to participate in a conversation about what that monument is about and so then if there is someone who wants to put an alternative view uh, in a monument plaque alongside what's already there it creates a community discussion and again then draws attention to the history absolutely Uh, do you think that activists uh, who are quite radical and wanting to get rid of all of those monuments will be open to that sort of idea i doubt it and uh, yeah, we, will, we will find out in the future as to whether they are open to such a solution. It depends on the extent to which p- people uh, yeah, value freedom of religion and free speech in our society. And unfortunately, because of uh, Black Lives Matter movements, uh, the cancel culture movement, you know, the critical race theory, uh, some of these activists you are talking about will no, no, will no longer tolerate the free speech of other people. So so, um, I'm a bit pessimistic, but at the same time, I'm hopeful that one day uh, yeah, vision will prevail. Well, if we were able to make a note of your wonderful solutions that you've suggested in these past few minutes, yes. uh, we would do well in being able to appreciate just how significant it is that when you see these things happening around us, that there are solutions and that uh, remembering that there is some level of fluidity in the way that history perceives uh, those great people of the past, uh, but we can have a community conversation around how that can happen so that you can appreciate and maintain that wonderful historic heritage. Uh, Just wonderful getting your insights. And uh, look, I was going to mention that there was a, a special seminar coming up in WA Uh, talking about this very issue. And you were going to be participating in that. There's some issues with borders. There's been a postponement. No doubt that will come up again sometime into the near future. How can people connect with you, Gabriel? Is there... uh, You've written quite a number of books. Uh, I have. You've written papers on everything. And and, and novels as well. Novels as well? Yes. Is there a Gabriel Moen's website where listeners can connect with you? No, I don't have a personal website. I, uh, I'm a bit more humble than that. I, uh, but, but I do write uh, short stories and uh, novels. In fact, I have written a novel on the origins of the coronavirus. I, uh, it was published in September of 2020, and it is called A Twisted Choice. And uh, it is uh, published by Bularong Press. 
And guess what? I think China has something to do with it. The book is a thriller and makes for a fine read. Okay. Well, uh, you've whet the appetites of some listeners. So, uh, Gabriel Moens. Now, remember, M-O-E-N-S. If you're doing a Google search for any of the books that are written by Gabriel, uh, including the one on the origins of the coronavirus. Absolutely. Uh, Gabriel Moens, Emeritus Professor of Law at the University of Queensland, many other wonderful accolades. But Gabriel, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Happy to be here. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.